Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. Right, time we say hello to our first guest, my first guest, which is former jockey Timmy Murphy, back in the Luck on Sunday studio. Timmy was first in when you initially announced your retirement, which was about three or so years ago. It was a different studio then, so welcome yeah, along. Yeah, yeah, times have changed, moved on. Times changed for you in a, in a big way in the last three or so years, or, or not massively? Oh, well, I'm doing less driving, and less sweating on the back. So, um, yeah, yeah, t things have got slowed down a lot, mm. slowed down a lot. How do you, do you feel a lot, a lot healthier physically, mentally now? I feel fatter anyway for a start. And we were saying this is whenever, obviously that we have a good few ex jockeys on on racing TV, yeah. and that there's always that sort of winding of each other up. You know, oh, you know, the, the fat word gets bounded around. Yeah. You just look healthy. Well, uh, well, I ride out with Barry Fenton, so I'm not. It doesn't make me feel too bad. <laughs> now on that, he was obviously there yesterday. Um, Emma Lavelle's uh, partner, and, and and they were very emotional after Paisley Park's success. You're riding out there a, a good bit, aren't you? Yeah, um, I used to do split my time between Hannon's and, and Emma's, but um, now I'm just trying to stick to Emma's during the winter and then maybe mm. Hannon's in the summer. Um, but yeah, look, yesterday was fantastic and, you know, it's, it's probably taken the horse that long to get over the blip he had at the festival, mm. you know. Um, but Barry, Barry rides most days. I, I'm lucky enough to get a spin them when Barry's on holidays. Um, you can take the credit. Uh, well, no, I don't like I don't like the the limelight. Mm. But unless you first sat in when he had the heart problem, then then you can't take any yeah, credit. Maybe it. that was it. We don't we don't mention that. Yeah. But no, um, no, Barry does a tremendous job with him, and you know he's he's just been improving steadily throughout the year, and a lot of it was confidence with the horse, and no, it was absolutely fantastic. We'll, we'll, we'll come to it because it was a, an incredible reception that the horse got there. Um, you've competed in, across both codes, but there was something so a national hunt about that environment and that feeling. The horse coming back into the winner's enclosure, um, the, the crowd literally on first name terms with him because it's just three cheers for Paisley. Well yeah. done, Paisley. He walked away. People were shouting, well done, Paisley. I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty special to see and, and it wasn't lost on Emma. No, not at all. But he's like he's got a great fan base, and I think it's the way he races as well. Like he never looks quite like he's he's going to win, and then he always, not always, but when he pulls it, he pulls it out of the bag late on, and and he, he just gets people gets their emotions up. Um, yeah. Especially when he was, you know, he's like the champ coming back, and he's been written off, written off, written off by a lot of people, and you know, it was just fantastic to see him. Back, back there at the top tier again. I feel like we've had a, we've had a change now. Given there was a, a lot of negativity before Christmas about the state of, of 
UK jumping, certainly, and the lack of competition. The last few weeks has been golden. Um, I mean, we were just saying before we came on air about how it can feel a bit uncompetitive pre-Cheltenham, um, but the last two weeks has been good. But I suppose there, there are perhaps, even when you were riding in the National Hunt game, there are more opportunities for horses and there is a little bit less competition before what would appear to be the be-all and end-all of the Cheltenham Festival. Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of good races before Cheltenham and after Cheltenham, and it's not it's not the be-all and end-all, really, um, but it is for a lot of people. Mm. And I think people would want to get their horses there in, in the best condition they can get them. And, and if that is avoiding stiff competition beforehand, we can see their point, you know. But mm. for the public point of view, we want to see the best race and the best all the time. I mean, World Chief was a, was a Cheltenham Festival winner for you, but he was involved in some absolutely sublime two-mile chases, you know, some of the very best, yeah. where he took on some of the best. Um, and it was fantastic we got that again with the Clarence House, with, with two of the best taking, taking each other on, um, because Willie Mullins was willing to send one over from Ireland. Uh, but I feel like, unless I, I don't know whether I'm just looking back with, with rose-tinted glasses, but I feel like it, it did happen more and more uh, in that two-mile era, for example, that you were competing in. Yeah, I don't know whether whether there was less opportunities, but we always seemed to rock up in the same the same event, like and and provide a great, you know, great entertainment. Um, there is well, chief. So this was second to Moscow, right? Yeah, he saw Moscow's backside a lot of the time. I'm afraid it's great that I, I feel that the first bit of footage we show is you finishing second. That's nice of us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we really thought that one through. You're the first loser. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, actually, Barry was there yesterday as well, um, and watching on all the action. And um, uh, these were two, two proper, well, three proper horses. Yeah. Looking back to the third, and um, three proper two-mile chasers. Yeah, look, he was just, he was a fantastic horse, and, and you know the pipes done a great job with him because you know he wasn't he wasn't an easy horse to to train. You know, if if they had swimming races, he'd have probably been unbeaten because he spent most of his life in the swimming pool. Um, but he wasn't, and, and Jonathan Laurie used to ride him all the time because he was a tricky horse to ride at home, yeah. you know, so it was a big giant effort by everyone. That, well, the, the reason I'm smiling is because like, on the back of that, like, we can hear that roar. <laughs> that roar is unbelievable. Yeah. And we had a bit of it yesterday, obviously not quite the amount of crowd in. But yeah. that roar up the hill, particularly when you've got a horse in front and a horse chasing, or when you've got a horse who the crowd pick up on is going to go past, a bit like Paisley Park. Yeah. There's nothing like that. No, no. I mean, you got it. You got it probably more so in the Tingle Creek when the when the three of them came to the last together. Yeah, you know that was a, that was a fantastic day and fantastic atmosphere. That was that was the best. That was the race of the century, wasn't it? Well, it was probably for me because I wasn't involved in too many other ones. But <laughs> I think as a, I feel like it's it's largely accepted as as far as competition goes. The 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 one. Yeah, but I, I mean, it all depends what area you're in. I mean. I remember Viking flagship and, and the finishes he was involved mm. in, and I, that was the same sort of thing maybe 10 years before that. So was, it as, was it as much as 10 years before that? Probably was just yeah, about, I think yeah. So. Um, what weight were you doing then? Oh, that was 12 stone in that race. Okay, so 12 stone in the, in the champion chase. Yeah. Um, was the allowance different? That's, uh, there's that word, allowance, for mm. equipment. Was it slightly different? Um, what, what, uh, I'm not sure if we got we were get, yeah we got I think it was two was it two pound or one pound because it's three now yeah 
It used um, to be, it started off one, you got a pound for your back pad. Yeah. And then you got two pounds because the back pad, back protectors got heavier. How different was the back pad then? Um, not a lot. It was probably a, it was probably three quarters of a pound lighter. Right. So there was less, um, less foam, less padding in it. But, you know, in my experience, I didn't think it made a whole lot of difference anyway. No. If you were, if you were going to get a hard enough fall. I think it, it only helps like with glancing blows and that. Looks, everything's moved on, helmets have moved on. From your point of view, when you've got um, a horse, so let's say 12 stone, effectively 12-3 as it would be now, um, how, let's say you're riding a smaller horse, a littler horse, because we, you know, sometimes we say, well, we worry about the weight because look at the size of the horse. Does it make a big difference, do you think, if you've got a smaller horse carrying a massive weight or you know, horses by and large half a ton of animal, it's got to make that, not going to make that much difference. Well, look, it makes it makes a difference to some horses. I mean, it's been like humans, the, the person with less ability will struggle to carry more weight mm. or, or more of a workload. Um, you know, like, I mean, you've had some fantastic, like, well, Chief wasn't a big horse, mm. you know, and, and, and they were lumping around 12 stone, albeit everything else in the race was as well. Um, you know, some horses, it makes a difference. So do you think it boils down to ability uh, over over just just size, almost a, a weight and size equation, if you like? You think it's more down to ability? Yeah, I think in, in the graded races, maybe handicaps might be a little bit different. If you have a small horse lumping top weight and a handicap, maybe. But I think um, in the graded races, you know, you see like the, like the fillies there the last couple of years, as you know, they're getting allowance. Mm. But like, they, like they're not they're not big they're not big horses, like you know. Mm. Um, when you see the, 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 the headlines that have come out this week since Tuesday, obviously the, the, the riders who um, made their voices heard on, on, on Tuesday, particularly in the flat game, I think it's fair to say, it seems to be more of a, um, a visceral reaction from the, the flat boys and the jumps boys about the, the minimum weights going up two pounds and maximum weights going up two pounds um, and the three pound allowance being done away with. Were you surprised at the... the the level of anger, sort of raw emotion that was out there from the riders, given that you've been in the weighing room? Not really, no. Um, I mean, I, like, I, don't, I don't speak to too many of the flat guys much anymore, but from, from being in there, you know, there was like the days of the small, small little lightweight jockeys are, are more or less gone. Mm. And most, most of the guys in there will, will need to lose a pound or two every day. Um, and I think it was the fact that they were happy to give up the sauna if you were keeping the allowance. So there must have been a miscommunication somewhere along the way because all the saunas were being ripped out yeah. and then this was announced and I think that was the problem. That and it's not as if the sauna is it's not as if someone has gone to the races and been stuck in the sauna for hours and hours. It's just to have it there if you do need if you if you arrive and you're half pound heavy Fifteen minutes in the sauna and and you're fine. How important to you was a sauna? Well, to me, uh, I'd, I've I struggled a bit. You know, I could only lose so much in the sauna. It's it. Some people are different to others, but I found uh, having a sweat in the bath was more comfortable than being stuck in a box. So, so when you say that was more, you felt particularly uncomfortable in a sauna personally. Uh, and so you, you'd only stay in there for a certain amount of time, or was it just a case that your body would only lose a certain amount in a sauna? Uh, I I think three pound was the maximum, and 
I would have enough then in the sauna. Okay. But and how <coughs> how long would that take? Uh, probably forty minutes for me. But like everyone's different. Some people will start sweating on the way to the sauna. Mm. I used to start sweating on the way to the bath. You know, so it's it's whatever you're comfortable with. But it it was it just seems a bit unfair to take away something that's is a tool for 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 a jockey at the races. Welcome back. David Yates is alongside me, newsboy of the Daily Mirror. We'll be talking to the BHA's Chief Operating Officer, Richard Wayman, very shortly. Um, Dave, you didn't lose £11 overnight, did you? That's not, that's not a very good start, is it? You don't, yeah, that's I, not, I didn't, as a matter of no, fact. I no. Didn't, no, I didn't think so, no. No. No, no that's, not, that's not an observation. That's, that's just... Sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to do. Of course it is, yeah. yeah. If only we could start again and go take... We can't, it's live. No. Well, let's crack on, shall I've we? Just had, I've just had two pastries. I shouldn't be the one saying this. Um, right, you got a chance to talk about the um, weights debacle, because that feels like where we're at with this on, was it Wednesday evening, I think? Uh, yes. Any well, further it, thoughts, Dave? Further it, thoughts? Well, it starts on Tuesday. I mean, I'll reiterate a little bit of what I said. One thing that I found quite interesting as a journalist is that um, we all know the people that you can go to expecting incendiary quotes, and we know the people that you don't, you mm -hmm. know. And so, ringing Tom Marquand and Adam Kirby, top-class jockeys, classic-winning jockeys, good blokes, but not those that are top of your list for, you know, quotes that are going to set the world on fire. Mm. But both of them were uh, very animated and angry about uh, the situation that arose on Tuesday. They feel there's been a lack of communication. They feel that they've been... Uh, sold a pig in a poke really don't they by the BHA it has to be said that the the National Trainers Federation have a role in this that that in uh, they're behind taking away the three pound allowance that was introduced uh, during the uh, Covid uh, pandemic which, which was brought in because jockeys couldn't use saunas uh, as a, because of the the restrictions that were in place those saunas have gone by the wayside now permanently that was announced in November. I, I'm, I'm a bit confused about the use of saunas. I mean, people, a jockey said to me this week that people pay thousands of pounds to join health clubs where saunas are part of the package, and yet the BHA uh, deems them too dangerous for adults to take off three quarters of a pound or a pound in, uh, in the space of 20 minutes. So that's caused confusion. But I think that there has been, uh, this, this whole business has been uh, complicated by the fact that Paul Struthers, who was a, a, a fierce defender of the jockeys as the head of the Professional uh, Jockeys Association, left his post uh, earlier this month or mm -hmm. at the end of mm -hmm. December. At the end of December, and um, so Dale Gibson is in temporary charge at the moment. There's a feeling that they were blindsided, and so it's an unholy mess. Really, I can't see the the uh, the three pound allowance coming back. Trainers don't want it to come back because they feel that with the, the back protectors and the allowance, horses are already carrying six pounds more than advertised. But where we go from here, obviously the, in, in the, the, um, the wake of the comments by the jockeys, the BHA came out with a very long statement, very rare for the BHA yeah, to on, have on Twitter, uh, yeah. something to say. Can, can you see, so it sounds like you can see the jockeys' point of view in this. 
Yes, I you can. You can sympathise with I, that. I, I do. Okay. But, I mean, I think that the... Personally, I don't see why saunas were taken away. I can't see the allowance coming back. Well, didn't the, I mean, the, 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 based upon the questionnaire that went out pre-meetings to the jockeys, um, pre-discussions, um, about 80% of the jockeys were in favour of the yeah, saunas. Yeah, 88%, away. I think, yeah. Uh, as long as, I believe, the allowance yeah, remained. Yeah. Can you see from the 12-thread tweet, 12-tweet thread, that the BHA put out on Wednesday in response, can you see their point of view as well and sympathise with their position? Uh, I think that they've come in for all of the criticism when they don't deserve it. Uh, I think that if we could wind back the clock, they would have put in place a different mechanism other than the £3 allowance. Maybe to start off with, they would have just raised the weights £2 uh, to begin with. So, mm. yes, I do have some. As it uh, happened in Ireland. And yeah. It could have stayed there. Okay, in which case, for, from, from your perspective, we, we arrive at this situation um, which is a, a pretty unsatisfactory one, therefore blame has to be apportioned somewhere. Do you have an idea of where that should go? Um, I think that th this is largely down to a lack of... Th th this situation has arisen through t largely through a, a lack of communication in, I, I think, that... The, there is blame with all parties. You know, the, the, the PJA have clearly... Uh, the, 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 the survey that jockeys took, uh, that, that they filled in towards the end of last year, clearly didn't... Uh, clearly, it either wasn't clear or it didn't... The jockeys didn't know what they were voting... They, they thought they were voting for something different to what they got. Mm. So, of course, that, that, there's, there's blame to be apportioned there too. Um, right, Richard Wayman uh, joins us. He joined us very shortly on the line from the, the BHA. Um, we'll just show some of the, the sort of the, the inflammatory headlines that were out early on in, in the week, or inflammatory statements, I should say, that really made it to headlines. Jockeys were better off how it was before was, was one of them. And PJ McDonald mentioned that he'd been blindsided as well. BHA to meet jockeys as Adam Kirby slams completely wrong minimum weights rise. So there is a, a meeting set up believe for early next week um, between uh, jockeys and, and the BHA as well. Richard Wayman is with us, the Chief Operating Officer at the British Horse Racing Authority. Richard, thanks ever so much for, for joining us. Let's start with this meeting then. Um, when is it going to happen and, and, and who are the parties exactly involved, Richard? Well, good morning, Tom. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on this morning. Yes, we, um, we are meeting uh, in the coming days with uh, the PGA and um, and um, some some jockeys as well. I'm sure I'm sure we'll, we'll come along to that meeting as well as the NTF. So that, so we'll be looking to do that in the next few days. Have you been or were you um, personally you at the BHA surprised at the level of anger that was voiced by the jockeys on Tuesday in, in response to the announcement? Well, I think the first thing to say in response to that is that we, we fully understand what a, a, a hugely important issue weight is to jockeys. And so anything that gets announced around, um, around weights is clearly going to um, often have some sort of, um, well, clearly has a massive impact on the lives of our riders. So, so, so from that perspective, we understand, we understand how strongly um, jockeys are, are focused on the issue. 
I think the surprise probably came from the fact that in arriving at the decision that was announced earlier this week, we had actually been through a, a very robust and lengthy process with the PJA, NTF and others that had led to that decision. And if I could just briefly outline that to you, basically, you, you, as you've already mentioned, we introduced this temporary emergency measure of this COVID allowance back in June 2020 when racing resumed following, following the suspension. And it was, it was a temporary emergency measure um, following the closure of saunas and indeed gyms that, of course, were all closed at that time. Uh, sort of October of, of, of 2021, we started meeting with the PJA and NTF to say, look, we have to move on from this temporary measure. We need to put something more permanent in place. We felt the COVID allowance wasn't sustainable. And the main reason for that really comes down to the transparency that, of, of the information that we are issuing to the sports customers, whether they're race goers, punters, people watching, watching on, on racing TV. Uh, and of course, well, what we've been in a situation for the last year and a half is that uh, in a newspaper or a, a race card, a horse is down to, to carry nine stone. It, it's actually been carrying nine stone six because we've had this three pound body protector allowance and in addition, the three pounds COVID allowance. And, and that almost half stone difference was something that we felt uncomfortable about. We wanted to find, find a better and more permanent solution. So the discussion with the PJA and the NTF, and we had three meetings with both of those parties in October and November, was to establish that, that, that solution, that permanent solution. And it was then all about really a, a rise in the weights and, and, and to what extent we would, we would, rise, uh, we would raise the weights. Now, you wouldn't be surprised to know that the PGA, through those discussions, were very keen to see a three-pound rise in the weights, or effectively the equivalent of the COVID allowance. The trainers were raising some concerns that over the last 18 months, they had seen the impact on some horses of, uh, of, right, of carrying these more excessive weights than had been used pre-pandemic. And so it became clear from a pretty early stage that there wasn't going to be a, a, an easy answer that you, could, that you could please everybody with. By the end of November, the BHA put forward a proposal to the PJ and NTF for comments that was a £2 rise in the weights. And then in the middle of December, the industry's racing group, which includes not only the PJA and the NTF, but other representative bodies as well. So, so the, the Racecourse Association, the ROA, the, the, the Thoroughbred Breeders Association, and indeed independent appointees on that group from, made by the BHA, discussed this matter, tried to understand all of the different arguments that had been put forward by the different parties, and ultimately came to the view that a £2 rise in, in, in the round was the best and, and, and the optimal decision to take. So I think it's really important that people understand this isn't something that uh, happened very quickly and happened without proper consultation. There was a full consultation process. And so, yes, when, when the decision was announced this week, once by the time it had been ratified by the BHA board and actually announced, um, I probably was a bit surprised at the extent of the, of, the, uh, of the response from the jockeys. But, of course, we fully understood that, that the jockeys of PJ had been looking for a £3 rise and, therefore, it was £1 short of, of what they'd been arguing for. I think, the, I think as well, from what you're saying, um, and, and given the comments that initially emerged Tuesday and Wednesday from a number of riders, the key issue as well is, is, is the language which was perhaps used initially in the questionnaire that went out to jockeys in comparison to what was being discussed uh, uh, around the table, if you like, um, between the parties mentioned. It, it sounds from what you're saying, Richard, as though 
the idea of an allowance going forward, an actual allowance, was never under, on the table. Is that right? An, an allowance going forward, never on the table. It, 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 was, it, it was not on the table on the basis that from the start we'd, we'd assumed, we'd worked on the basis that that wasn't sustainable longer term for the reasons that I've given around transparency. And it is worth pointing out that in other countries, you know, that COVID allowance wasn't introduced. So, for example, we look at what happened in Ireland back in, back in the summer of 2020. They, they simply um, raised their weights. They didn't introduce an allowance. Obviously, we took a, a different approach, primarily for pragmatic reasons. You'll remember at that time, all of the focus was just on getting racing going again. And at the time, that was the quickest way to, to deal with that particular issue. But yes, it, it, it's something that we don't think is sustainable longer term, and hence we've been looking at this alternative approach of raising the weights. Richard, Dave Yates here. I hope you're well. Um, Tom Marquand, who is a, a, a measured man, I think, by universal consent, um, said that what's happened this week would trigger a return to the practice of flipping, whereby, particularly among young jockeys, whereby uh, riders voluntarily bring up food in order to lose weight. Is that, is that something that worries you? Yeah, of course. And, um, and I f the first thing to say, of course, in, in, in this area, you know, my colleague Jerry Hill works tirelessly to try and improve the sort of um, work with the jockeys to improve their, the, the way that they manage their weights going forward. So anything uh, along the lines that you're suggesting, there, that they, of, course, of, course that, of course that worries us. But, it, but, but the issue with, with some of these techniques that have been used um, in the past, and sawn is one of them, you know, there is... There, there is medical evidence that shows that acute dehydration as caused by using a saunas, it does reduce human performance and whether that's through in having a negative act, uh, reaction, sorry, impact on, on reaction times or a negative impact on strength. All of these things are obviously unhelpful for, for professional athletes. Does, does 25 minutes in a sauna uh, uh, trigger acute dehydration? But again, you know, this, this is going into areas, um, Dave, where uh, my, uh, Jerry Hill would be far more qualified than, than, than me to, to comment. But basically at the BHA, we've been, we've been looking to work with the PJA and others to try and find safer methods of maintaining weight, primarily through, through fitness and nutrition rather than through, through dehydration. Uh, Richard, just just on a more general point, just finally before before we let you go, it feels like this this again is a is a, a them against us us issue which has arisen um, because of a, a rules change, rightly or wrongly, from from your point of view. Uh, you know, the saunas are going and allowance is going. That's the issue for a number of riders. Um, what can you do to to make riders perhaps feel that you are helping them moving forward and, and get rid of this them against us notion which, which seems to really purvey the sport at the moment. Yes, and it's, it's, it, it really is regrettable that that, that, that that sort of notion does exist, Tom, because, you know, at the BHA, we are, obviously, our, our role is to try and support the sport longer term and to try and work with all the different parties within it to try and provide a, a healthier, stronger British racing in the, in the years ahead. That's what we're here here to do so to have these sorts of, of internal disputes obviously pains us as much as it does uh, any any of the parties involved so so our plans as i say will be to 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 continue to work with with the riders more generally to look to ways we can support and improve their the, 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 you know some of the uh, the ways that they have to to, to cope with things and, and and how they perform their roles 
but, but more specifically and more immediately, we will look to, to sit down with them in the coming days. And, and whilst we'll be able to, to, to explain to them the decision that we took and the, and the reasons behind it, that will also give us an opportunity to, to listen to the riders and to, to understand if there's anything that wasn't raised during the consultation, any new factors that we haven't taken into account, it will give the riders an opportunity to, to put those forward to us. Chantry House probably not quite up there with the memorable performances, but nonetheless he got the 4,000th win. What, um, what did you make of Chantry? Uh, I thought, well, Nicky Anderson said the horse had to win. Yeah. Um, they were thinking of putting cheap pieces on before the King George, uh, mm. where he was pulled up, uh, but they didn't. He said he was glad he put them on yesterday. I didn't think he was entirely convincing yesterday. Um, I thought that at times his jumping wasn't perfect. And I think that it's... He's booked his place in the Gold Cup field, mm -hmm. um, and he deserves to take his chance. I would, if I were in the Manila Indo camp, Aplutar, would I be having sleepless nights having watched that yesterday? No, I won't. The bookmakers left uh, Chantry House on the sixteen to one mark, didn't they? Which you know, we we know how we know how bookmakers uh, react to races like this. If when they don't shorten the winner. It normally makes yeah. your ears prick up, doesn't it? We've got I right here at this in, who's just taken over. Unfortunately, my selection, Santini, uh, the former Seven Barrows stablemate, now with Polly Grub countries towards the far side. Here, Chantry House takes it up, and yeah, I, it, I think that the um, afterwards it was pointed out that perhaps they'd gone uh, quicker than it than it than it might have appeared. That the ground is probably a little tackier mm. uh, than. Uh, people might have thought, but it's. I, I think uh, Nico de Boinville um, said it better than anybody in uh, in one of the interviews afterwards, where he just said, "We're getting there," mm. and that was an acknowledgement that they're not there yet. Um, Chantry House hasn't leapt to the front of the betting uh, for the Cheltenham Gold Cup, but this was a step in the right direction, obviously from a a, a really abject run at Kempton. Yeah, and he, he finished incredibly tired, which is why Nick Bonville hopped off immediately afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that point, I think the ground surprised a few. You know, this was this was winter good ground, not spring good ground yeah. at all. Uh, and the horse did finish very tired. Um, but he is, as, as Nicky Henderson said, he's kept himself in that Gold Cup picture. Um, I did ask Nicky Henderson after Champ whether he could possibly be in the Gold Cup picture, almost not having won the stairs hurdle. He suggested that you know that there was a reason he was left in the Gold Cup, but he felt it'd be hugely unlikely were a, a horse of, of his profile to suddenly switch back to fences and, and, and go to a Gold Cup. That race, the, the Cleve hurdle, was won by Paisley Park. Delighted to say that um, trainer and rider joined me on the line, Aidan Coleman and Emma Lavelle. It was absolutely uh, fantastic to see fantastic to be there um you know a, a, an 18 months behind us emma where we've we've had to have no crowds at times to to have that reception for paisley park was just magic tom it was it was just um it was very very special um and um funny enough i was talking to andrew this morning and uh, you know, I think that's that's one of the big things that he just was so sad not to be there for was the was was the reception that that Paisley got on the way back in. Yes, yeah, Andrew Andrew Gemmell, his owner. How is he? Emma, is it, he he's all good? Is he? He's good. I think his blood pressure went up a little, <laughs> but the heart kept pumping. So all Tested is good. Tested the heart valve, didn't it? At least the, <laughs> at least it worked. <laughs> it 
and you... the doctors were delighted. Yes. Imagine the doctor saying, could you not watch your horse running at Cheltenham, please? <laughs> yes. um, and he'd have tested the blood pressure, Aidan Coleman, really from the tapes up, because he probably tested your blood pressure as well. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, yeah, there was uh, an array of emotions from the start to, to the finish. Um, literally everything that you could possibly think or, or, or could go through your mind did, because... Obviously, we'd all kind of lost at the start, which was kind of a, a big disaster. And then when I jumped off, I, you know, no disrespect to the field, but I thought even if he didn't run his race, he'd be third. And there's like seven or eight grand for third. So I thought, well, we'll try and get that anyway, and we'll work up anything after that as a bonus. So we kind of went from there. And then when he was coming down the hill and I knew he'd be in the money, I was thinking, I hope I'm not beaten anywhere between five or ten lengths, because then we would have been a very, very unlucky loser. And that would be a, a particularly tough pill to swallow but he pulled it out of the fire like he usually does. Did it help him in any way, almost, you know, conversely, the, the fact that he, he, he was so out the back, or is that clutching at straws a bit? No, no, it would, it would, no, no. I think he gave away that distance and he had to make it up, um, which was a fair effort. I, it, no, there was no positives at all from... Some, someone asked me that as well before, and I, there was no positives at all from giving that ground away from the start. Don't get me wrong, I wanted to sit fourth or fifth, so I, I would have been happy where I was after we jumped three hurdles, but but it, it, it definitely um, it definitely wasn't ideal by any means. Alright, we can, we can have a look at it. So, um, this is what happens at the start. Um, you are sat on the inside, and you, you want to be out the bat, and then all of a sudden he just ducks towards the rail, really, as, as, as the tape moves. Um, and then there's a, a lot of waving behind him to get him to, to jump off. Do you, what do you do going forward? That, that's going to happen again, isn't it? It's nearly happened before. So, like, we have always kind of um, been one step ahead of him before and, and stopped us far one time at Newbury at the start of the year where he actually, there was no piss in the race. So he did that exact same thing. And because no one else wanted to go on, I was able to get him back up there. Um, ended up actually on the day, if you look back now, it would have been better off if they did go on. And I did sit out the back because... That obviously works best for him, but um, I have to say as well, particularly as you say about the waving, Robbie Supple was very, very good. He was very sharp, um, and and he played a massive part in getting them off. As, as you know, like you know, damage limitation really. He was he was very good, Robbie, in that situation. Emma, as Paisley started to to latch onto the back of the field, what? How confident did you allow yourself to get? Um, I mean, actually, we were very happy through, if you took the scarf out of it, we were very happy through the race. And, you know, like, and never panicked when it happened. Uh, he might have been cross, but he never panicked and just made the ground up just gradually. There wasn't like a, God, you've got to catch up quickly. Um, and so, you know, actually, you know, it sort of became a more relaxing watch then. Um, you know, he was traveling and, um, and seemed to be, you know, jumping well and, so yeah, once once we sort of got into the race, um, so long as he didn't use too much of himself to, to gain that ground, we sort of were pretty happy with how the race was was developing. Is he a very different horse now to, to the horse that, that went on to, to try and win and successfully win his first day at Hurdle? No, that's the thing. You know, it, it's like it, Barry and I were talking about this last night, and Barry said, you know, he said, I sometimes feel like a broken record, but he said he just feels exactly the same. You know, his work is, be, is really good. His um, his sort of mentality at home is is as enthusiastic and, and, and good as ever. So, you know, as a horse, um, you know, in, in all his characteristics, um, you know, he, he's, he's just the same as he was uh, when he went for the Sayers and, and won it. Um, 
you know, we probably have to say, as he's getting older, you know, a few more aches and pains. So um, our, our physio, Steph Brighton, has been fantastic in the work that she's done with him just to, to keep everything moving. But he's, he's you know, he's, he's just a, a, an extraordinary horse. He really is. Uh, so this is the, 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 the great bit of the race, turning into the straight. Listen, Agaroska, leading champ, the fabulous near side. And, and everyone watching in the paddock all of a sudden started to just go, Paisley Park, Paisley Park. And I assure you, no matter what financial allegiance anyone had in the race, everyone was shouting for Aidan Coleman and, and Paisley Park. And um, all of a sudden, you're in front, Aidan. Yeah, still got there too soon. Um, um, yeah, he had a good look at the last. There's a big shadow at the last, actually. He was probably... Uh, as you can see, they got it out in the very next race. So, so um, he, he spotted it before everyone else, as, as he would. Um, but like back to the question you asked them, this horse hasn't changed at all. And from what, from my point of view, in the last four or five years, really. Um, I know obviously some of the results at the start of the year weren't there. Um, but looking back, there probably was a couple of excuses here and there for for them. And um, yesterday, he's kind of shown that. Paisley we have now isn't much different, if at, if at all, than uh, than the 2019 Stairs Hurdle winner. So I, I hope he goes uh, back to, to Cheltenham in, a, in six weeks' time or whatever, with as good a chance as he had uh, a couple of years ago or last year as well. Emma, one, one thing that struck me as well was your you you were keen once the applause died down to thank the crowd at Cheltenham. Yeah, I mean it was it was just. Um, it's a privilege to train a horse that has the, the following that he has, the horse that's good enough, but also the character and personality to go with it. And I think that um, uh, it, it was a really, um, it, was, it, was, it felt like a festival moment, you know, standing mm. there, there's the noise, the cheers, and, and, you know, the fact that the public follow him the way they do, that support him the way they do, and, and, and live, live the, the racing with us in the same way. I kind of felt it was right just to thank them for, for, for what they what they bring to the to the table as well. You know, it's it's we are all very lucky to have him. Mm. Good. How is he this morning? Uh, absolutely perfect. Uh, he was uh, he was very hungry last night and uh, and you know, no food left and yeah, really really happy about uh, about life this morning and legs are good and trotted out sound and 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 ready for the next battle. All right, good. Which is going to be in six weeks' time, right? Yeah, absolutely, that's the plan. <laughs> Good. Right, my next guest is in the hot seat. That is Isabel Williams. Um, Isabel, daughter of, of trainer Evan Williams. Although I, I feel like I don't want to refer to you as that because you are Isabel Williams in your own right. And you've had a brilliant um, standout season, really. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you for having me. No, not at all. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you in. Um, season's been good, right? Yeah, uh, my season's been great. I mean, Don's Levant's been the highlight. Um, yeah, everything's going well and hopefully long may it continue. Did you think that you would be at this stage, early 20s, riding the amount of horses you are, maybe f even, even five, six years ago or not? No, absolutely not. Um, I don't think I ever planned to be a jockey. I My mum was really keen for us to to stay on in education and do our A-levels and um, I had an offer to do pharmacy in university and I think whilst I was studying that is something that I thought I should do but there was probably something inside of me which said oh god you need like you can't I think I thought that I would have regretted not riding if I had done it um, yeah so I remember asking dad and Paul Maloney at the time uh, when I'd finished 
finished doing my exams, oh, do you think it's something I could do? Do you think I could ride in a point to point or, or as an amateur on the track? And um, they said, well, if you're going to do it, make sure you go in 100% and, and, and do it. It's not something that you can go into half-heartedly. So, um, yeah, I gave a kick then after so, that. So Paul Maloney's to blame. <laughs> yeah. So what was that about? That's, that must have been maybe six years ago or so? Or yeah, yeah, I suppose about when I was about 18, yeah. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't like you were, you know, you were growing up and early teens being like, jockey, 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 no matter what, that's all I'm going to do. Like, I always loved riding. I loved riding out, loved being on the yard. Um, yeah, I loved everything to do with horses, really. But I, th I th it wasn't something that, I think th it was always in me to do it and I, I wanted to do it. And I, but I think I thought that the right thing to do mm -hmm. was to go have a proper career, you know, study, go to university. That's what all my friends and everybody around me was doing. So I thought that it was right for me to do the same thing. Yeah. But after I had been riding out more and schooling and just getting more of a feel for it, I thought, oh, I can't, I can't let my early, you know, my early, te my, my teens and my early 20s go without giving it a good go. Mm. So, I mean, uh, so did you, you, you grew up on the yard, right? That was, that was it for you. So you had that introduction. So I suppose you always had that opportunity there and the option of going into it. But like you say, was it the right thing to do? That's as difficult to how you weigh <laughs> up what the right thing to do is. Is the right thing to do what you're most passionate about or is the right thing to do um, what perhaps statistically you're likely to, to have more of a career of or, or most success at? Yeah most, yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think, oh gosh, I don't know if my parents were... I think they kind of left the riding thing for me to decide mm. because at the end of the day, being a, my dad obviously trains national hunt horses, so that's what I was interested in doing and pointing and things. And, um, you know, it's not a case of if you're going to have a fall if you're a jump jockey, it's more of a case of when you're going to have a fall. So I think for them, they kind of didn't really push because they, they were thinking, I mean, it's brilliant if, if the girls do want to do it, but if they don't, I think we're quite happy if, if they choose to do something else. Yeah, I think most parents would understand that position. Mm. Uh, you know, if it, it's their decision, and if they don't want to do it, we are not going to push them to do it. <laughs> and if they do want to do it, then we're going to make sure they go about it the right way. But yeah. it's, it's worked out. I mean, your parents, I'm sure, will be the first to admit it's worked out now after this season's been fantastic. Yeah, it has. And gosh, I'm, I'm glad I did it now. There isn't anything I would rather be doing. Um, I love riding, I love racing, and I love being on the yard with my family. So for me, gosh, yeah, I'm so glad that I, I did make the decision to, to have a go at riding. Don't want the highlight, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. You got, I mean, there was, I, I remember watching and um, it just looked fantastic. It looked like the perfect ride. And this, I think from, from well, certainly from um, everyone in the studio when we were watching you here and our team on course, that this was your emergence, if you like, on the on the bigger stage, on the Saturday mm -hmm. stage, because it makes a big difference riding a, a Saturday. Well, this has been an ITV, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, it's so difficult to get on a horse with a winning chance, mm. especially when you first start out. I mean, at first you start off and you think, I just want to get round. And then you think... <laughs> I need to give it a good ride and then slowly people 
have small inputs into say your riding style or whatever and people try and help you build yourself and as a rider um, but yeah as I say it's really hard to get on a horse with a winning chance and to get on a horse with a winning chance on a Saturday in mm. a graded race it's, it's next to impossible for a lot of people so I do feel really grateful for the opportunity and um, I'm glad that when I was given given the opportunity that that it did did come out and did work in in the end. I mean, really did. Um, you were brilliant. How how um, do you deal with, or do you ever feel awkward, or um, that there's uh, more pressure in a way on on riding a horse on a big day who is trained by your father um, because of what people might think about you getting the ride? Does that play on your mind at all? Um, not really. I think. I think uh, I, I'm in the yard every day. Mm. I'm like, I get there first, I leave last. So I mean, if anybody wants to walk in my shoes, they're more than welcome to. If they want to come and come and have a go of it with with me, Ellie, and William, and if they can do it every day, then they're more than welcome to come and try with us. But no, I think everybody everybody gets their opportunity and you should just try and take it with both hands and do the best you can with it. That's it, you, you, you've got to take the opportunity. Mm. Um, and there'll be plenty who have got the opportunity and, and haven't got to where they want to. Um, don't know when these were exactly. Um, I'd say you look a bit younger. I think this wasn't too long ago. Oh, was it not? No, I just... Um, did my hair and things today. <laughs> so I look a bit different. You mean you don't when you go out riding? No. <laughs> um, fair enough. Um, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you love it day in, day out? Oh, yeah, absolutely love it. I love working with my family. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, we all have our part to play. Um, my brother William and my sister Ellie, we all do it together, and it's something that we're really, really passionate about. Mm. So I am grateful that I can do it with them as well. Now, I don't know um, William particularly well, but he uh, perhaps he hasn't been helped riding-wise by the size of your father. So I ever no offence, I'm talking height, but I uh, is, is he? Oh, my brother, yeah, he's about six foot, and I'd say he right. was about twelve stone yeah. by the age he was. By the age he's of more 12. he's more rugby than jockey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, he he's big into the horses as well, and. Yeah, it does a lot to help. What about Ellie? She, she's, she's riding now, isn't she? It got the amateur license? Yep, she's riding as an amateur and she's absolutely loving it as well. She's at home every day uh, riding out as well and um, yeah, I, it wouldn't be the same without them. We, so the last time I was there was a, a couple of years ago. Uh, we came to do a feature on, on the, the mighty Silver Streak. Yeah. Um, and I was struck by that family atmosphere, definitely. Could you, I mean, because the, 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 the home's on the yard, right? You're, it is all there. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And that really came across. That was nice to be part of anyway. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, yeah, uh, my... God, yes, we all, we all do it together. We all have the same goal and the same ambitions. And, you know, I w it's, not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do with, with your family every day. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, gosh, like, you butt heads sometimes. But I mean, everybody's even aiming for the same goal. I think what so speaking to um, Sam Tristan Davis yesterday, who who wrote Torn and Frayed, the, the handicap winner for his dad, he said um, 
he was incredibly kind about his, his dad, who didn't return it necessarily, um, <laughs> but he, I think he was pulling his leg. But he said one of the great things about riding for Nigel is th that he can be so honest mm. and he can give that important feedback. And Torn and Frayed, for example, who ran at Haydock last time on heavy ground, he could pull him up mm. because he's not worried about what the trainer's going to think. Um, and that probably helped the horse. So I, I suppose that's an advantage. For all you definitely butt heads, probably because you're, you're open and honest with all members of your family. That honesty must be a huge thing. That must be a huge help to you and the horses in the yard. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot, sometimes things just don't work for whatever reason. Horses maybe don't like some tracks, don't like, you know, some things just don't go to plan. Or sometimes you just don't give them a, the ride that they needed on the day mm. and I think because it is your family you can go back and say oh look look I made a disaster of that it was completely my fault like th I think this is what we should do next time and you know even though they might be angry in the moment you know in the long run it's going to be fine mm. and it will be sorted and would, would your dad tell you if he if he, if he thinks you've done something wrong oh yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah yes. it's definitely tough love but um, I wouldn't want it anyway. It, ma it makes you improve and it, it makes you have tough skin. Mm. And, you, and I, I suppose equally, he probably knows that you know if you haven't got something right. Just mm. as when you have got something right, you're aware of that. And I'm sure he's the first to say how proud he is of you as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he has his own way of doing things. and um, <laughs> He's a man of few words, mm. but... Um, yeah, I hope that's how he feels. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I, we had him on here a few years ago again, and he was, he was a, a man of few and choice words and was, quite, mm. was brilliant, actually, I thought. Um, I saw a, a, another side to him opening up about things, which was great. Um, so, so, so some of the stars. Uh, first of all, Cool Cody yesterday, I got excited. I thought mm. he, this, this could be another going day for him. Um, he's been fantastic, hasn't he? He almost shouldn't help them because he jumps to his right he almost shouldn't love it but he adores it yeah he's so tough so genuine and ultra reliable we're so lucky to have him in the yard and you know his front running style i think catches people's mm. eye and and i think he is he is becoming a favorite around Cheltenham. people love oh, to massively. see him yeah um but yeah look we're so lucky to have him and so lucky to train him and we enjoy every day that we get to go out and ride him and, and look at him in the stable. What's he like to ride? Strong. He he gets on with his work. He loves doing his work. Mm. Um, he's a creature of habit. He's yeah, he's much like he is on the racetrack really. He's headstrong, does his work, um, yeah, and is is the same every day. And there he was. He, he crossed the line yesterday. Mm. Um, your dad earlier in the week suggested when we when we spoke for something else that he hadn't necessarily done any favours last time that he ran not being dropped but there you go and mm. um, he, he loves Cheltenham doesn't he um, and I think another horse who was who had a lot of public affection of course was Silver Streak mm -hmm. um, the, 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 the highs so far he do, do you feel for the for the yard that he he came around at a really good time for you and and you know one won some huge races for you at a time when that was very welcome. Oh, absolutely. Um, he was a joy to do anything with. Uh, he was in the yard for a long time. And, um, yeah, we he was part of the furniture. You know, he was the first, he was in the first stable as you left the house. Mm. And, um, yeah, we don't take for granted 
when we do have a horse like Silver Street because we know they're so difficult to come by. But he was much appreciated and uh, we're very proud of everything that he achieved and very, very grateful that we got to, we got to train him for the majority of his career. I think that's a, a massive thing as well when you visit a yard um, and particularly a, a family, mm. um, and, you know, a trainer and a family that live on the yard and the horses that you, you literally look out the window and see their head. They are almost part of that family. I take it that's that's how you felt about him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it is. They they come first. You you think about them before you think about yourself. And I mean, um, yeah, I feel I feel for um, Lewis who rides him every single day as well. You know, he he said, I feel like I've lost my friend. Mm. I know it's I know, and. Um, and obviously um, the fells as well, because they um, had him home every summer. And um, yeah, he was just obviously a lovely horse to do anything with. And, and he just was probably a once in a lifetime horse. Mm. I get, we, we've touched on, on uh, Midnight Shadow, the in incredibly sad loss there to the, to the Smith, who he, he would have meant so much too. I mean, we, we know it's part of horse racing. Mm. I, I, I guess it doesn't get any easier. No, absolutely not. Um, it doesn't matter how good the horse or how, you know, the, the ability of it. Um, you're with them every single day. Mm. And um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't get any easier. But I mean, it is something that everybody in racing will have to deal with at some stage. So um, yeah, it's just nice to appreciate them whilst you have them. Yeah, and I think the, the other thing you touched on there is there's, there's, there's no matter the ability of the horse, mm. no matter how popular they are with the public, there's still someone at home at that yard that looks forward to seeing that horse each and every morning. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, somebody who, f who feeds them, rides them, owns them, mm. trains them. Um, yeah, they have an effect on all of us every day. Right, you going forward. Um, what's the what's the plan? What's the the, the hope? Numbers, figures, or, or just see where you are at the end of this season? Um, yeah, well, I'm not far away from riding, getting down to my three pound. Um, I think that's something that I would like to do to do this year. Um, I know Dad, well, Dad, I think Dad has a few in mind for the, for the spring, but I mean, he likes to keep his cards really close to his chest, so he, he won't let on. Won't he won't let even on. tell you. No, I doubt it, but that's what I'm, I'm hoping anyway. Mm. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he will. Um, I like the dynamic that I get between the two. It's really great. How do you find this side of things? Um, probably the most difficult. Really? Yeah, I would say so. How important do you do you think it is? Um, I mean, a few years ago, I would say my dad and family were pretty anti-social media, mm -hmm. anti anything really to do with the media. But it's something that y you have to do at the end of the day. If, if, if you're a sports person and if you train or ride or whatever it may be, you're going to have to be able to communicate with the media on some stage. So I think it's good for you just to get on and do it. Welcome back. Last part of the show, and I'm pleased to say that Ben Case joins me in the studio. Trainer Ben Case. How's things? Yeah, good. All good. Yeah, good. Been listening to the the Dave's 
staunch <laughs> so defence of the whip and yes. not uh, not changing anything. Exactly, and I quite agree with him. You do. Yeah. You would like to? Do you think the the, the, the rules work perfectly as they as they do now? There's nothing ever perfect, is there? But um, I think they're working adequately. Okay. Um, I'm sure there can be some improvements, probably in punishment, but not in the change of a number of times. I fear that uh, we go uh, lower and lower down. The numbers route, um, there'll become a time when there's no whip and it'll just weaken racing completely and, and the um, breed won't, won't be good for it. And as far as punishments go, um, how would you feel about a, a, a horse being disqualified if a, a rider um, d doesn't use the whip correctly? Um, I probably don't want to go into too much of the politics of <laughs> the whip debate, but I don't think the horse should be disqualified. Mm, okay. Um, Good. I hadn't. Pla I thought I'd get you to pick up <laughs> yeah. on it. That wasn't part of the plan at all. I thought I'd get you to pick up on it. Um, one thing I, I, I am interested about, just on a, on a trainer's point of view, and, and, and we talked about the weights a, a good deal. Um, just on weights that horses have to carry at the, mo at the moment with the e extra six pounds, do, do you think that can be detrimental to, to horses? And, and is that a concern for you as a trainer going forward? I think... Um when when you're looking to enter a horse that's at the top end of the weights in, in whatever handicap they're in, if it's a 0 to 100 to say that it's got 11.10 or 11.12, um, and then uh, you can run above that ceiling mm. as well and be a, over that weight, um, I think that you're then adding another six pounds on top. It, of course, it comes into to what you think and who's going to ride it and whether you can claim off it. Um, so there's an extra few pounds. I've not noticed it's made any difference in results and that sort of thing. But I think when you're looking at the, your own individual horse, mm. you probably, if you've got a smallish horse at the top end of the handicap, you would think about whether you want to claim off it or not. And, and, and do you think it's a, a sort of simple equation between size of horse and ability and ability to, to carry weight? Or, or is there... Or does it boil down to bearability as well? This is something that Timmy Murphy touched on way back when we started the show. Is it as simple as you would worry about running a smaller horse under a very big weight purely because of the size of the horse? Well, yeah, I think that, that would be the basics of it, really. Yeah, a, a bigger horse is probably going to be able to carry the weight a bit easier than a smaller horse. Mm. It's not always proven in the results, no. that's for sure, but no. uh, that would be my view on it. Uh, season so far for, for you? Pretty yeah, horses, lovely, lovely. horses have been running well. Yeah, can't complain. We don't have masses of horses, but uh, yeah, that since the beginning of sort of December, um, yeah, they've been running really well. So how, how many's not masses? Uh, we have 25, 30 horses. Yeah. Has that been largely consistent throughout your career? Uh, we've had a few more, a few less. Yeah, we certainly, when we started, we only have four or five. Um, and uh, I suppose for the last 10, 15 years, we've been somewhere around 25, 30 horses. Um, we've been a bit above that and have been a bit below that, but that's where we are now. As a, as a business, how uh, over the last decade or so have, have things changed about how you, if, if numbers have remained largely the same, ab about how you operate or, or have you not had to change or adapt in any way? Uh, no, I think that uh, as we, Dave was talking about smaller, medium-sized yards, uh, I don't know any other trainer out there that, with my sort of number of horses, is not living about here on the, on the on the line, and and that's where we live. But it's a way of life, and I've um, taken the view that as long as I can 
survive and enjoy what we're doing. Um, I'm not too worried about making too much money out of it. As long as we can survive at it, then I'll keep going at it. But there's not a big profit in, in you know, anybody that's got 30, 30 horses and less is, is definitely struggling to keep, keep it going. So is the, does the profit margin boil down to numbers of horses? Oh, well, it, it's uh, the training fees, isn't it? And, uh, and I suppose like any business, if you're sort of in that medium size, you're, you're going to struggle if you've got a lot of staff and, and people to employ. Whereas if you're in the small, right in the lower end, you probably have yourself and maybe one other, you can probably make that work. Mm -hmm. But you need to have um, bigger numbers to make it pay. And would your training fees have, have gone up a, a good bit over the years? They have or? gone a good bit, but um, we've obviously got to compete with other people at our level. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they've gone up a fair bit, but no, nowhere near the bigger yards, that's for sure. It, it, I suppose it says a lot about the, the sport and, your, and the position you're in, that you're, you know, you're, you're saying year on year is about keeping afloat, basically. Yeah. But you do it because you love it. So yeah. this, is, this is first and foremost a passion and second a business. And as long as it, it works and ends meet with a little bit left over, then that's you. Is that fair? Probably and probably because I got to a stage in my career <laughs> where I'm not sure I could do anything else. <laughs> but you want to do anything else. You know? No, you, I mean, you, this, yeah. this, is, this is what you want to do and you love it just as yeah. much as day one. Exactly. My profession is my hobby. Mm. Which I, I suppose not many people can say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when the big days do come along, Exactly, Again, as Dave was saying, you know, you you love it, and it means the world to you. Of course, it means the world to us, and there are just not many of them. But it's uh, it's, it's it's that what we do it for. Mm. Well, you look there, there could be there could be plenty more. Cobblers is very exciting. Yeah, he's a lovely horse, um, and you know, he gave us a big day at the Lanzarote the other day. Um, you know, we've had a few good big days in the past, and hopefully, he can do the same for us again. Mm, in these colours as well. Was the was the, the Lanzarote long term plan well executed? Uh, I think after Doncaster and he won and I thought he beat a fair field of, of handicappers at Doncaster that um, uh, he would get into the Lanzarote off a, off a nice weight. It wasn't my first choice. I was half thinking of giving him a break but um, Coral's very kindly put up the prize money to 100 grand and I thought timing wise he'd had enough time between his last race and that to, to go there and he was off a nice weight. And, and the conditions of the race suited him well. What did he go up for that? Uh, he went up eight, I think, for that. Okay. So, so I, I suddenly, I remember thinking on the day, that was hugely impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, so could, you know, fair enough, one of Lanzarote by that distance. Yeah, no, exactly. The, the horse probably deserved to go up. I mean, you, you watch the race. I mean, obviously, a couple of the fancied horses um, got taken out of the race and um, they went quick early on, but they slowed the race up and the time of the race was actually quite slow. Mm. So they did have the, 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 the run of the race on the front end, the first and second were first and second um, the whole way around. And Jack actually thought <laughs> the loose horse coming up, they thought that was somebody coming to challenge him, but the horse actually picked up and went away again. Mm. Um, um, what's the horse like? Yeah, he was quite buzzy when he came over from Ireland. Yeah. Um, he wears that hood and the yeah, he wears a hood and a tongue tie, uh, more just to keep him settled than anything else. He's actually a very clean-winded horse. Um, 
and uh, we've put a hood on a few horses before and it just tends to, you know, that kind of buzzy horse and he um, just tends to take this, to, to the, the freshness out of him and, and keep him a little bit more settled in the prelims and that sort of thing. How does the tongue tie help with that out of interest? Because I always see that as something, you know, hood obvious to, to help them settle, tongue tie more of just a, a it, breathing it, tool. It's a, definitely a breathing tool, but, but obviously if they're held in the tongue down and the horse is keen, it can't get its tongue over the mm. bit, so it's m more likely to be a little bit more controlled, but if it's very keen it gets its tongue over the bit, then the rider hasn't have the, quite the control. How did you come by Cobbler's Dream? Uh, we found them at the Cheltenham sales. Uh, it was at, actually at Newmarket when, because they couldn't have it at Cheltenham. Um, but we found them there in this last spring. Um, we went to have a look at uh, a few of the horses and there were two or three that we couldn't actually afford and actually turned out they went through the ring the right way around and we'd seen him win his bumper and he won his bumper very impressively and he'd pulled up in his point which may have put a few people off. Mm. Um, but the ground was desperately heavy and he did travel for a long way through the race and he was only a four-year-old um, but he won his bumper very impressively and probably um, we got him for a little less than, I mean he's not a cheap horse but we got him for a little less because he probably wasn't the 16-2 plus horse that, that courts all the money. Mm. Is, uh, is it publicly displayed how much you got him for? Yeah, it was 85. Okay, yeah. and, and so that sort of ballpark for, for for you is is the top end of where you would tend yeah, I mean, to go? Yeah, we've bought a few a bit above that, but not masses, um, but that would be a top end horse for us. Yes, yeah. yeah, and we know you can pay a lot more. Of course <laughs> you can, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and you can pay a lot less with a great deal of success it, it, as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, so Cheltenham yep. for a handicap. Yeah, I think the Coral seems to be the ideal race for him. Um, I've actually put him in uh, Ballymore, mm. and also he'd probably have an entry in the conditional jockeys race, or the Martin Pipe, um, just in case we don't get into the Coral. Um, he could run in the Ballymore, I suppose, against novices, um, but in it, and he, he might just struggle to get into the Martin Pipe as well. It's, it's frighteningly competitive, it is, isn't yeah. it? But there's entry in Punchestown he could go to. I'm more than happy to go to Punchestown. There's a two and a half mile race at on the Saturday, which we won before with Deep Trouble, mm. that would suit him ideally.